Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What is going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back here on a Thursday morning for your Thursday morning delivery. Excited to talk about the latest news in mixed martial arts, as well as give a quick preview to the UFC card in Paris, France. That's right, Paris, France. First time for the UFC, not first time in MMA, as Bellator's been there a couple of times, but this is a big one when the big show heads to a new part of the world, especially a part of the world that's delivered some fine athletes. In fact, at the top of the bill, Cyril Gan. That's right. He's headlining versus Tai Tuivasa. I want to really jump into that one. All right. So, folks, we'll be right back to reset. It's MMA Junkie Radio on a Thursday morning. It's September 1. So it goes, no disrespect to Bellator, because when Bellator was there, I saw the show. And I'm talking about the last one. They even had one before that. But the last one with Chick Congo and Ryan Bader, I watched it. Fans were into it. The fans were at an MMA show that day. And it was great. However, you have to give the UFC its due. Those three letters are just so recognizable. And at the same time, I got to imagine Cyril Gaon, well, has got to be more popular than Congo. I mean, Congo did have a long spell in the UFC and then now a long spell in Bellator. So who knows? But it's just the UFC, it just carries so much weight. I'm just wondering if the UFC is going to smash Bellator's show or is it going to be similar to Bellator? A loud crowd, loud arena, some great moments. We move on. I think it's going to smash because it's, it's something new. Remember, like across the globe, the like in Poland, right? They don't even call it MMA; they call it KSW, right? Right. So, I think it's just a little bit different overseas. They don't have the same contracts all around the world. So, I think just the fact that it's UFC, it's there for the first time. It's probably just the big thing going on, and people probably want to go. So, I I think it'll do pretty well. Yeah. We'll see. You know, Bellator has been around now for over a decade. And there's just parts of the world where Bellator has performed just as well as the UFC when it comes to television. But I still have to imagine that because of the Internet, because of like, you know, when you go on Twitter, it'll say trending. And when the UFC fight night's going on, it's always trending. Not just them, but it'll say trending Dana White, trending Conor McGregor. Trending whatever the main event is. Trending whatever knockout just happened. Trending whatever, you know, whoever might have 
been at a UFC that's a celeb or an athlete or something. It, it's just this big, big deal. You'll ask a few Bellator athletes, did you catch the UFC, you know, and as you're referencing a question, yeah, I caught it. I may have been there. I may have cornered someone or whatever. You ask the UFC fighters about Bellator, mm, only the hardcores. So there's still that gap. And I cheer for both leagues, but I, you know, I, I've, I've been really wanting the UFC to go to Paris, France for a long time for a couple of reasons. Well, primarily, honestly, because I've seen so many great athletes come from France. And it's a big, big country. It's done very well in the Olympics. I tracked the Olympics as that when I was younger. They win medals. They have great football athletes. They call them, we call them soccer athletes. They've even had a few guys uh, play basketball. You know, Tony Parker, man, big deal for the San Antonio Spurs. Great, great point guard, world champion as well. And so they have race car drivers. They can fence, judokas, um, a, a great rugby team. You know what I mean? I think they won the last World Cup. So, like I say, they get down. Yeah. But, see, so here's something I, I want to compare it to. Um, you know the F1, Formula One race, right? It's coming to Vegas. They just did this thing where you can register to possibly get tickets. That thing will hold, I want to say, like 100,000 people. And you're still not even guaranteed you could be part of that 100,000 people. But so many people are on there trying to get in. And one of F1's biggest races is in France. It's the, the Monaco race. That one is like their Super Bowl. It's where all the celebrities come on their yachts and all that. So I feel like when the UFC goes to France, it's part of it is going to be, hey, we're hardcore MMA fans. And part of it is, hey, we want to be part of the spectacle. We want to be... Part of the first UFC here. We want people to see us here, walk yeah. a red carpet or something. So I, I think it'll do pretty good. Um, but I think a lot of it will be that as well. Yeah. So, folks, you got to keep an eye on that. Uh, obviously, with the time change, you're not going to get your standard Saturday night primetime type of event. Let me go over that with you. And remember, at any point in time, not only on the website, but on our free app that works on all tablets, all smartphones. You can get all of this information, including reading stories. You got a 10-minute break at work? Man, you can crank out like five stories if you're just sitting outside smoking a cigarette or just resting or drinking some water or whatever. Boom. It's all available there on our app. It's free. Download it. Check it out. But on there, you can also go and I believe on the app it's called events, but on the, well, the website it's called schedule. Click the schedule tab. It tells you what's going on, not just with the UFC, but Bellator, PFL, everything. That way you can make plans in case you are heading to a certain city and it might coincide with MMA in, in that city. So focusing back on this one, they're at the Acor Arena. And they're going to be on ESPN Plus, obviously, throughout the card, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific for the prelims. Noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific for the prelims. Stephanie Egger versus Aileen Perez. Khalid Taha versus Christian Quinones. Joaquin Buckley versus Nazardine Imavov. They're on the card for the prelims. Then the main card starts at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. So, folks, this is going to start in the morning for the West Coasters. All right? There ain't no Saturday night fight night or nothing like that. They're in Paris, France, 
where they're nine hours ahead, I believe. Now, great card. Charles Jordan versus Nathaniel Wood. All right, they're on the card. McDessie versus Hackbarass. John McDessie versus Nazareth Hackbarass. I really love that. But look, if we scooch all the way to the co-main, Marvin Vittori versus Robert Whitaker and Cyril Gon versus Tai Tuivasa. We're talking about three and four and two and three in the USA Today Sports MMA Junkie rankings. Probably pretty similar over at the UFC rankings. These fights matter. Yeah, no, those two are intriguing fights. And even if you go to Haspratt and uh, McDessie, like a lot of the fights, if you look at the odds, they're pretty close. So I, I honestly think it's going to be a really, really fun fight. But you're right, those top two, those are going to be real interesting. And how about Tai Tuivasa and just how much like he's turned around, right, in the last couple of years. This was a guy that we all kind of felt like, eh, you could give somebody a tough time here and there. But now he's actually turning into a viable contender. And if he can get past a guy who's going to try and keep his distance, pick his shots, and surreal gone, dude, he's making a huge statement there. And he's calling out John Jones. Like, I love this guy, man. You know what I liked about Tai Tuivasa is he kind of gave me a reminder of the OG Tank Abbott. There's been a few Tank Abbots over the years, but I'm talking about just heavy hand dudes that you could tell love to fight. And when the fight's over, even after they've been paid six figures, seven figures, if they're at the at the post-fight party or a local watering hole, and someone's got a problem, they'll sort that out. You know what I mean? Like they, um, they're just like a, they, they grew up probably the, the tough guy in the town. They probably defended a few people. Maybe they were bullies. Maybe not. I don't know. That That's what Tank Abbott, I guess, kind of portrayed a little bit. I'm not saying Tai Tuivas is that. But then, you know, like those shoeys and the beers. I mean, that was a whole other spectacle that at first I was like, what is this fool doing? But now I swear every time his name comes up, I'm just thinking, oh, man, it's going to be a blast. People are going to be doing shoeys in the audience. He's going to be doing a shoey. His fights never suck, win or lose. And guess what? He kind of shedded a little bit of the Tank Abbott stuff because Tank obviously could wrestle. He was a wrestler, and he had heavy hands. But other than that, I mean, you weren't seeing too many other things going on. Like That, that was basically what he was going to do, and that's put the hammers on you. But Tai Tuivasa's got some really, really nice um, leg kicks, you know, and you could tell he's got – he's blended the tough guy act with – being a mixed martial artist. Right. And that's why he is where he's at. He's in the middle of uh, Tank Abbott and Mark Hunt because yeah. he can be a brawler when he needs to be, but he can be technical when he needs to be. So, yeah, he's kind of like the birth child of those two. But he's got uh, – and he's also got a lot of personality, which makes him lean more towards, towards uh, Tank Abbott a little bit. But, yeah, dude, I, I think this dude has become a star now. And I think even if he loses here but looks somewhat good and gives moments, I think he can kind of retain that stardom a little bit. Yeah, and look at all the possibilities there are at heavyweight right now. It's crazy, but it's frustrating. Dana White was asked after the Dana White Contender Series on Tuesday, five contracts yet again. And he was asked, okay, what's the meaning of this fight coming up in Paris, France, between the heavyweights, are they in the mix, blah, blah, blah. And he said, yeah, 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 they're in the mix. This this could really be important. And, but he was kind of skirting around actually identifying what exactly is going on at the top. And this is what I'm wondering as a hardcore fan. You got Francis Ngannou, which, by the way, he said, 
Well, a lot of it doesn't matter because the champ's not ready to go. We know that. So Francis Ngannou is probably two-thirds of his way to getting back to 100%, I imagine. But I've been to the gym. I haven't really seen him. I know he's doing a lot of his rehab in L.A. I haven't heard of any setbacks or anything like that. I just don't think he'll fight in time for December. If he did, that'd be miraculous. That would be right at the nine-month mark. In fact, it'd be less than nine months. And I think him fighting in January is a better bet. Now, of course, that puts him in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro, and there's a lot of Brazilian stars. So you almost think, hmm, he could probably skip that one. And then in February, there's talk of them going back to the UK for Leon Edwards versus Kamar Usman. So now I'd be back to Vegas in March. Vegas usually has that March show, which I guess I could live with if it meant the, the champ is back at 100%. Everything's good to go. We didn't rush him or whatever. However, what's happening in the meantime? Now, this would have been the time to have an interim title. Not last year when the guy won and one month later they said, oh, now we need Derek Lewis versus Cyril Gaon. All because the other dude was in Africa doing his thing. He was on a little, you know, championship belt tour. I can go in uh, September. They need you in August. That was piss poor last year. But this year, you know, if that is a serious knee injury, they could have done it, I suppose. So where are we? Whoever wins this fight, could they be next? Sure. But would Ghana and Ngannou make sense again one year later? I just gave you the timeline for Ngannou. Could go in December, could go in March. Maybe he goes in the other ones, I don't know. But why would we want to see a replay of a fight that we saw? That was close, to be fair. And if Cyril Ghan goes out there and maybe wins one or two, then I could see him wanting to fight his former teammate again. If Tai Tuivasa wins, though, he's going to be screaming for a title shot. However it goes, we got Stipe Miocic and John Jones, and that still hasn't been figured out. What the hell's going on with those two? That was a good fight. I mean, it was close, but it wasn't a great fight. It wasn't the type of fight that everybody was like, oh, my God, that was such a good fight. We got to see that again. So real gone is kind of measured, kind of quiet. I just see him getting screwed over in that sense. I don't think it's going to happen. Stephen Miocic and John Jones. John Jones is the guy that could put a wrinkle at any, in, any point in anything. But Stipe is not. And Stipe is not because Stipe just stays quiet and hangs back and lets whatever happen happen. And that ain't going to get you anywhere. We don't hear from him. We don't hear him call anyone out. We don't even hear him say, hey, I'm still here. I'm just waiting. He is MIA. And MIA in the UFC is never good. You just get pushed around. So, yeah, you're right, man. This could get pretty interesting. Tai Tuivasa is a personality. He seems like a company man. Uh, he goes on these trips for the UFC. He goes everywhere. He does everything, Shoeys. What more do you want? So if I'm Stipe Miocic, I'm very nervous about that cat. Yeah. Miocic is one and one against Ngannou. I mean, he has an ace up his sleeve. John Jones is the GOAT to many. He's got an ace up his sleeve. The UFC's talked about I just remembered while you were talking. Remember they told Volkanovsky, hey, look, get better, your hand. He wanted to fight again in 2022, but then he said, he said it himself, I heard the UFC's going to Australia in early 2023. Well, if he does, and Tuivasa wins this fight, how's Tuivasa not on that card? You know what I mean? So literally, Tuivasa maybe has a little bit of an ace, because if he beats Cyril Gan and finishes him, unlike what the champ did, then... You know, that, along with the win streak and the shoeys and the fact that they're going to Australia, he may leapfrog everybody. 
And then Cyril Gunn, obviously, you know, he's only got the one loss, and it was to Francis Ngannou, a fight in which he won some rounds from Francis Ngannou. But if he were to steamroll Tuivasa, let's say, and Paris France is a hit, you know, like I say, they all kind of have a little bit of a chance to really, really ring that bell loud, you know, and, and see what's next, which is a beautiful thing for the UFC. It gives them options, but at the same time, we just don't know Jack, I guess is what I'm trying to say. We don't know when the champ's coming back. We don't know the John Jones contract situation. You know, um, the, the closest we got was he said, I wanted to go in August. Stipe said September. Okay, I'll wait till September. We're in September, and we got a pay-per-view coming up. By the way, Goes and I will be hosting a UFC watch-along for UFC 279 on September 10th. That's not this Saturday, but a week from Saturday. Nate Diaz and Hamzat Shemaev at the top of the bill. 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific for the pay-per-view, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for the prelims. That's nine fights, and we'll be with you for all nine fights next Saturday, as always, here on MMA Junkie. But yeah, it goes, there ain't no Steve Bay versus John Jones this September. Hell, it ain't, ain't, ain't even going to be on the October card. That one's already filled with um, uh, Chucky Olives versus Islam Makashev. Uh, Aljamain Sterling, he's going to be fighting... TJ Dillashaw, they got two title fights, and they got some other sick fights. So they're good. November's got two title fights. Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pajeda. Carlos Esparza versus Zhang Wei Li. Okay, now we're talking about December. I think December's going to have something cooking, man, and it's going to involve some of these uh, guys that we've been mentioning here, the big dudes. So remember when John Jones, I think he tweeted or something, he said something along the lines of, it's looking like it's going to be December or something like that, right, or November. I don't remember what he said. That, to me, says that the money part of all this is solved, and now it's just down to logistics and, and opponent. And to me, that's the biggest hurdle, was the money. That's what seems like it was holding everything up. So if that part's taken care of, well, then what the fuck, man? Figure this out. You only have so many cards. You only have so many fighters. Like I think the hard part's done. I'm going to make a prediction. I think if Tui Vasa wins, he fights Nganu in 2023 in Australia. I don't know. That's just my prediction. I, I think so. I think a lot rides on this Saturday. If Cyril Gon wins, then I think they're going to go with John versus Nganu. Where I don't know. Um, and trust me, if it's John versus Nganu in Vegas in December, I'm happy like a clam. But I don't know, man. I, I would have heard something by now, or felt something, or seen something. Just by following them on social media or, or, or just the stuff that you start to hear. I know Glover Teixeira and Yuri appear to be running it back in December. I've heard that one. But something, I, I just think I would have heard something else. And I haven't been hearing those rumblings, right? So, yeah. you know, maybe that Miocic versus Jones in December. I'll take that. And then the winner fights the winner of Tuivasa versus... Um, Ngannou, if Tuivasa wins in uh, in Paris, France, and then that fight would be in Australia. And by the way, Tuivasa is a big underdog in that fight. Let's not forget, Cyril Gans an assassin. Yeah, yeah, and he's got the type of style, especially big cage, uh, the reach, you know, the way he fights. It's tailor-made to give Tuivasa a hard time. But the thing about Tuivasa is he just doesn't really care about getting hit. So he's going to bum rush you, and he's going to get in there. So... Surreal's got to make his shots count when he does throw them because uh, Ty's not going to be afraid. He's going to go in there and he's going he's to try and decapitate this guy. And 
who knows? I mean, we've been through so many generations of fighters now. Everybody says something different, but fighting for the first time UFC in France, who knows what that put on the shoulders of Cyril Gong. So uh, Taito Ibasa doesn't strike me as that guy. I mean, he just comes in, he goes to work. So we'll see We'll see what happens, but it's definitely going to be interesting. And that co-main too, man, that, uh, that one's got me intrigued. We'll talk about the co-main right now, but I did want to ask you a question that just popped in my head. All these names we just mentioned, those five, Gan, Tuivasa, Jones, Miocic, and Ganu. I left out Volkov, Blades, Aspinall, Derek Lewis, Pavlovich. Um, sorry, Spivak. Pavlovich is, yeah, okay. Um, is the UFC heavyweight division more fun to talk about the boxing heavyweights? Like Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, Usyk. Uh, Ruiz, Joseph Parker, I'm reaching here, you know, but um, do you find that that just that situation that we're talking about that had a bunch more question marks is way more fun than, I guess, what's going on in boxing? I think so. Um, in boxing, not all those, I mean, a lot, some of them have, but not all of them have translated into great fights. Yeah. There some good fights, but uh, this little cluster of guys that we have 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 not really disappointed very much. Different belts, different promoters. Um, I don't know. I just remember, man, boxing heavyweights, that that was just something else. Lennox Lewis, Evander Holyfield, Mike Tyson, you know, or if we even want to go back a few more generations with Muhammad Ali, it just used to be the talk. Nothing else really mattered. Then came along the welterweights, the lightweights, you know, everything else in boxing to almost take the big stage away from the heavyweights in boxing. But I do recall saying that the Joshua Klitschko fight, I think it was 2017 in uh, London. I was like, man, that was epic. Like they clowned MMA heavyweights, whatever was going on in MMA heavyweights, it paled in comparison to 90,000 at Wembley stadium. And it was a good fight. And our friend Stitch Duran was there. It was really, really, really cool. But since then, there's been a couple fights, but there's also been a few upsets. But, you know, we've also stacked a few nice heavyweights in the UFC heavyweight division. Yeah, yeah I'd agree with that. Yeah. The co-main event does have Marvin Vittori versus Robert Whitaker. Both guys have faced the, uh, Israel Adesanya. Robert Whitaker's had two title shots. He lost this title to Israel Adesanya. Then he won three big fights and lost the rematch to gain his title back against Israel Adesanya. Marvin Vittori lost to Israel Adesanya in a non-title fight. Then he lost to him in a title fight. So they're both 0-2 against the champ, except one guy's 0-2 in title fights. Almost the same thing, honestly. However, both of those guys seem to beat everyone else. But now they got to face each other. Whitaker's laid the little foundation for, hey, you know, I could go to light heavyweight. I'm not trying to hear it, honestly. You could, but there's some good light heavyweights up there, and they're kind of keeping busy, you know. So they got their own thing going on. But I guess you do you, dog. Um, Vittori, obviously, he makes noise wherever he goes. But Israel Asanya also has his hands full with Alex Pajeda. That could create new openings, new pathways for these two guys. That said, who do you like in this co-main event? That's a really, really tough one. My head says Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker makes all of his shots count. He doesn't throw as much, um, but I, I think he's going to figure out how to win rounds. With Marvin Vittori... He can be a little aggressive, and I think his aggression might work against him with a guy like like uh, Robert Whitaker. 
So it's really, really tough, man. Um, I don't like that Robert Whitaker's even talking about light heavyweight. That to me means that he's probably burnt out and being burnt out in this type of fight is bad news, especially against a guy like Marvin Vittori, who's like a Rottweiler looking at a stake every time he goes into that cage. Like that's, there's nowhere on the planet he would rather be. And with Robert Whitaker, a lot of times you have the, the opposite feeling, right? Uh, this is the last place he wants to be. He's just doing it to get money. So it can go many ways. My brain says Whitaker. My heart says Vittori. You know, I'm probably the same way. Whitaker's really only lost to Adesanya in the last few years. And Adesanya's the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. Mm-hmm. And he's been competitive. In, he was competitive in the last one. He definitely had some moments. But is he one? Fair and square. And Marvin Vittori, I've gone against him a few times and it's burned me. I always saw him as kind of a a talented fighter but maybe one level below the ones that kind of, I guess, are the championship level. And because of that, he stung me. So I've tried not to go very much against Marvin Vittori, but he happens to be going up against a guy who would probably be champion if not for Israel Adesanya. True. That's yeah. very true. I'm going to go with Robert Whitaker. Just that's my gun to the head, you know, like, all right, come on, give me a winner or you lose or you die. Oh, shit. Give me Whitaker, give me gone. But – Tai Tuivasa and, Ra- and Marvin Vittori are dogs, absolute dogs. And I think these guys are going to make the fights appear a lot closer oh, yeah. than what the odds are dictating or anything like that. I think because of that, because of so much MMA that I've seen over the years, something tells me one of the two favorites does not win. I think that one is going to be as crazy as it would be. I think it's going to be the hometown hero, man. Just because Tuivasa, again, man, he – he is not afraid to go in there, to, you know, and, and he can take a good punch. And he can deliver a good punch, and he's just scrappy. Um, he's he's fearless, too. That's why – that's how you have to be against Cyril Gone. Um, we'll know. We'll know right away, man, if he can't kind of get through that force field because Gone's all a 6'5 with a nice reach, and he's very, very hard to get clean shots on, you know, but – if this guy can make it scrappy, especially push this thing up against the cage, get a couple calf kicks in that gets Cyril gone thinking about a few things, you know, it could be lights out, man. Yeah. I don't know. I've been in this situation before, almost like exact same scenarios. And what ends up happening is I think to myself, okay, these guys are dogs. They have a good chance. And then what ends up playing out is just a dominating, boring decision from both of the favorites. And I can easily see that happening again. It's just with a guy like Marvin Vittori, I think he he gets so pissed off at those types of fights that I think he's willing to put it all on the line here to get a victory, a big victory. And Tui Vasa, I think, just doesn't give a shit. So I, I really feel good about both of these guys, minimum giving us a great effort on their side, not just us sitting around going, what are they doing? They know they're down four rounds, right? Like, I don't see that scenario. I really think uh, they're either going to get knocked out, they're going to put on a great performance, or they're going to get that win. But I don't think you're going to see a lazy performance out of either guy. You know what sucks is if Pajeda can beat Izzy the same way Leon beat Usman, you got to figure Izzy's built up enough equity that he'll probably get the immediate rematch because a a champion for so long with five title defenses, that deserves respect. 
And that's kind of why Usman's going there. Now, at the same time, Usman's got that other way. And so he can go, hey, man, it's a trilogy, dog. We're, it's 1-1. You know, Izzy can't say that. Izzy's down 0-2 if he involved the boxing. And then if he were to get iced by this guy, holy cow. But I think he would get the rematch. But I bet you some, some way, somehow, the UFC sometimes hopes for those openings just to shake things up. Nothing personal against Izzy where, let's say, Izzy were to win but broke his hand and he's going to be out for nine months. But Pajeda can turn it around quickly, and he can face the winner of a Tory Whitaker. That would be outstanding. And then they can bring back Israel Adesanya when he's healthy. You don't ever pray for anyone's injury. Right. But you pray for these, like, openings, you know what I mean, that kind of shake the division up. Yeah. Now, when you uh, when you have a second, I want to go back to Dana White's Contender Series. Yeah. I was only saying that because Masvidal's kind of trying to cash <laughs> cash in on the three-piece in a soda it's not going his way versus edwards you know and i'm sure it's things edwards every time that gets talked about or whatever because he did get stolen in his home country that that's a little bit of embarrassing for the street guys and um but you know he's got he's had his two title shots uzban's pretty damn healthy he was really really thumping edwards before getting caught it looks like it's going to be those two but i was seeing a few people including was it bisping or someone said to be fair Edwards versus Masvidal will knock the roof off in England more oh, yeah. than Usman versus Edwards. I might agree with that because of Masvidal's star power, but at the same time, Usman's Usman, man. That's the guy that beat Masvidal. That's the guy that had five title defense. That's the guy that was the number one pound for pound king. That's the guy that was beating Edwards, this close to beating 2-0 versus Edwards. He wouldn't even have to worry about Edwards for the rest of his life. Instead, he's going to have to go into enemy territory. That one could be big. I had to really think about that one. He, you cannot blame Jorge Masvidal for asking. Not at all. Yeah. All he's got to do is ask and ask, and he's got to push buttons, right? The more and more he push buttons, the, the closer. See, I, at the end of the day, I don't know how much of that is a Leon Edwards decision. I don't know that you could piss him off to the point where he says, this is what I want. I don't think Leon Edwards is there. Mm. But uh, you can't blame Jorge Masvidal for pushing that angle. Yeah. All right. So Dana White contenders, is that the one? You want to talk about that one? Yeah. Okay. Five more contracts. Explain this to me. What we watch at LFA, Invicta, CFFC, are we watching garbage and like almost amateur fights? And these fighters that they're pulling out are that much better? Like, I don't see that at all, dude. These guys that they're bringing out to do Dana White's Contender Series, some of them look pretty good. Nobody has really stood out in the sense of, oh my God, this person. In a few years, you know, that's going to be the next Sean O'Malley or whatever. Like, I, I haven't gotten that feeling from very many of these people. A lot of them that they've given contracts, I barely even thought they deserved to, to be in that cage that night, let alone the real UFC cage. What the fuck is going on? What is with this show? Dana White Contender Series is like a CFFC. It's like a Titan. It's like an LFA. It's like a Cage Warriors. It's like, yeah, it's like one of those, right? Mm -hmm. But it's got the stage of a UFC fight night with Dana White right there, which makes it more compelling. And that little twist, there used to be an even more interesting twist when he would only invite one person of the five that won to be a part of the UFC. Now it's like Oprah, everybody wins a car. But that said, it's still big. Dana White's there. Everything involving Dana White's name's all over it is big. Tuesday's so isolated. What else is everyone watching on Tuesday? The Phillies versus the Tigers in interleague play? Who cares? You know what I mean? There's really 
not too much else going on in the summer unless it's one of those World Cup years or something like that. So they got a big stage at the right time, and they get out usually right before football. Um, but that that's basically what it is, goes, is, is you could grab those 10 fights. You remember the movie Untouchables with yeah. um, Sean Connery and Kevin Costner? Remember at the very end he goes, uh, bailiff, I'd like you to go into judge so-and-so and bring in that jury and then send our jury over there because he thought there might be some tampering with the jury. That's what you could do. Dana White could go, um, let Ed Soros know to send his 10 fighters that are supposed to fight at LFA this week, and I'm going to send them my 10, and we're just going to have a, a fight card. And I think we'd be going, holy cow, man, did you see those fights? And it would be Ed Soros' guys. Nice. I think it's just kind of pretty much like that, you know? No, I think there's a few, yeah, and I think that's great for the fighters. Maybe 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 Ed Soros offered them forty five hundred, and Dana offered them five thousand, and that's what made the difference. Or maybe Ed offered him six, and Dana said five. But guess what? You might get in the UFC. You know, like it, it, it just it's it's these tiebreakers that they hit, and I think they're willing to chance that versus going on the other shows. But at the same time, it's a ten week run. Once the ten weeks runs over, there's forty two weeks where there ain't no Dana White contender series. And so now we're back to like, hey, what's going on, CFFC? You need somebody, LFA? All, what's good, you know? So they serve their purpose the rest of the year. But Dana White Contender Series has definitely done a lot to, to those uh, organizations. He hasn't really killed them because, again, it's just a 10-week run. But I think he's put a little dent into them. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime something new pops up, everybody gets scared, right? Like, remember when the Performance Center popped up? <gasps> what's going to happen to the teams? Extreme Couture, are they going to break up? Is Syndicate going to break up, right? But if anything, it's just been kind of like a nice companion to everything. Um, yeah. But but I, I'm just – it's really bothering me because I cannot guess who goes in and who doesn't. There's no system to it. And I feel like the first three years, we all were kind of on the same page with what the UFC did. Everything – every once in a while, they throw a little curveball. But I think at the end, we would all look at each other and go, this guy, this guy, and this guy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Season one was like that. Season one, that first guy, you're like, oof. He won, but he came to a decision. He's got to be in the back sweating it. Not season one. Well, season one, week one. Then season one, week one, fighter number two, he wins and steamrolls. And we're already going like this. Yeah, sayonara, fighter number one. You ain't getting no contract today. It was kind of fun. We were all sweating in that hot gym before the Apex Center trying to do our strategies. And then Dana White throws a curveball. Guess what? We're doing two contracts. Oh, shit. Stefan Bonner and Griffin, they're both getting a con, you know, similar to that vibe, right? So the next week we're like, but remember what Dana White did last week? He might give out two. You never know. So now fighter number three and fighter number four, they're in the running. And now everyone's getting one. So, like, ah, it's still fun. Like, the week we went, we saw three knockouts on a Tuesday night. That's hard to beat. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Um, Let's close with this. We got to give some love, man, to – the uh, ear, nose, and throat specialist, mm. him and his whole staff that did a number on you that I got to witness. I was front row for that on a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think I saw more blood that Tuesday afternoon than I would have if, if I would have gone to Dana White Contender Series. But, goes, how are you feeling after your um, procedure? You know, today is the first day that I um... – I'm really starting to notice a little bit of a difference because 
they told me when I went in, they go, when you get out, you're actually going to feel more stuck. I felt worse when I came out than I did going in, but that's normal because I'm going to be stuffed up with you know, a lot of blood, a lot of mucus and all that. But as that starts coming out, yeah, as that starts coming out, um, I'm actually breathing a lot better. The only problem is I've told you this before. I don't know if I've told the audience, but the sensation that I feel when I breathe in, because I haven't been able to breathe through my nose very well for so long. is like, if you stuff your mouth with a bunch of Tic Tacs and then all of a sudden you drink cold water. So like every breath is like, it's uh, it just feels like it hasn't gone through there for a while. So right now that's what I'm dealing with. But, but other than that, yeah, man, I mean, it on paper, it, it can be kind of a scary thing, right? Like you just, you look at your nose and you don't realize just how much is behind there. So to see these little tubes <laughs> and all this stuff that they're sticking up there, well, you it's, like, it's like, holy shit, man. I couldn't believe how far some of these things are going up there. And he does it so, the doctor's so like cool, calm and collective about it that it kind of puts you at ease at the same time. But, you know, I'm always thinking the worst. Like, man, what if he pulls a fly out of there? What if I fucking sneeze in the middle of that? You know, when that tube's in there. Max's toenail. Max's toenail. You have never know what the hell could be a up marble there. Marble from when you were a kid. Have you had, uh, have you, you've had bugs go up your nose before, right? It, it's I just had one like about a week ago or something like that in front of Juliet. I remember mm-hmm. going, what the hell was that? I remember seeing the little bug. And then as I was breathing in, it went in my nose and it tickled. Like, oh man, get out of there. I was like a soccer player, you know, trying to blow my nose for a little while. Hopefully that guy flew out, but. Um, after seeing that camera go into your beak and <laughs> how far he would shove that camera and what was in there, like I reached the point where it was gross, and then I reached the point where I was it was a phenomenon. Like, you know, it, I honestly felt like we had watched that movie about the, the caves in Thailand. Uh-huh. And remember they kept saying perimeter number three, perimeter number five, and each time he kept passing different perimeters. And he would put this little piece of cotton that I guess was supposed to numb you up. And Uh then he'd go past it with this balloon and it would blow through some membrane. And then he would go past it and put more cotton even deeper. And I'm like, where are you at, man? Like, are you in his throat? Are you in his ear? Like, how much further can it go? But this thing was so detailed. I bet you he was barely pushing through. But to me, it looked like he was reaching perimeter number three, perimeter number five. And he was, you know, all the way to where the little Thai kids were way in the back by your brain. I don't know, man. That those cameras are fascinating. So then after a while, the grossness, I guess, went away, especially because everyone around him was so calm, cool, and collected, especially him. Um, How many people were there? I remember a girl, the doctor, and then this Tennessee whiskey-looking dude that he was tripping me out because I didn't hear him say anything the whole time. So I didn't know what he was doing. I didn't even know if he had left the room. So when he first came in, he introduced himself as an intern. So I think he'll be doing that at some point. He's just interning right now. So he's probably in med school. And oh. then the lady that was next to you, she was the one that kept coming in. I should have I should have had my names ready. I apologize. But she came in, and she's the one that originally took your blood pressure and a few things, and we cracked some jokes. But she was his right-hand woman okay. and in that she had all the instruments and everything. So she was a, a nurse. And then there was, I hope I get this right, I think it was Kate was his assistant. And uh, she's the one that kind of gave you instructions towards the end, do this, do that. But she was there, and she was actually 
very, very informative to me because she pulled me aside and said, okay, see what they're doing? This is what they're about to do. Now they're about to do this next or whatever. And then the doctor was obviously, he was the one that was driving the car. You know, he was in there. Mm-hmm. But he, um, I think once you're numb, it doesn't matter what he's doing as long as he's pushing forward and the camera's telling him, make a left, make a right, make a left, make a right, or whatever. But when he did go in there, what what appeared to be like a needle, it would poke certain parts of your nose and it would just blow up and blood would come out. And I'm thinking, is this guy kind of like not have a sturdy hand? Should he have done that? But no, he was trying to poke you to put in some more um, painkiller. So that's what he's doing. But in the process, yeah, you got to bleed. You know what I mean? So you know those chambers that you were talking about? mm -hmm. It was two times. I don't know if you remember this. He used something called a seeker. And when those came out, bro, that chamber, I thought that thing was going to come out of my ass, dude. It felt like it had gone through my nose. That's what I'm saying. I don't know how much of tube or whatever went into my nose, but it was not stopping. And that's when I actually felt a little bit of pain. Mm. But as soon as I told him, he stopped and I didn't feel it anymore. But I could not believe how deep he went in. And I remember a fighter one time, Phil Baroni, he told us he had some kind of nose surgery and he pulled out gauze from his nose when it was done. And he said it was, we were at the Mandalay Bay when he told the story. So he goes, I shit you not from your studio, probably to like Michael Jackson is how long that would have stretched out. And he goes, I just kept pulling and pulling and pulling. It kept coming out. And I, I just couldn't believe how deep he was getting in there, dude. But I mean, all in all, it was a great experience and great. And real great. Well, that was a great experience, dude. You don't know how you know how bad it sucked to not be able to breathe. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now I think this is gonna the be result will be great. But yeah, it yeah, looked yeah. like you were going through something I would not want to go through. There was a the time where the camera went in so deep, and he goes, "Can you see? Can you see?" Because I I was looking through the front right. And I honestly wanted to go, I wanted to tell him, wouldn't it be easier if I went around to his ear? Because I think you're so, I think you're further into his head that you're going to come out of his ear soon. Give me a camera shot through the ear and I bet you I can kind of see what's happening. Because he had already gone through all the way to the bridge, past the forehead. It looked like he was already in your head somewhere, man. It was, oof. There was one where he asked you, "Can, can you see? And it was a little uncomfortable. So I was praying you would just say yes. Yes. So he could just finish, you know. But I can hear you get up and kind of walk over, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, just so you can see. But, uh, but yeah, man, it was uh, it was a trip. And watching the videos afterward, maybe I'll share the, some of the videos that George took. But I mean, we'll spend more t- we'll spend yeah. more time on it on Monday. And um, but I I highly recommend. So Juliet's had some problems similar to you uh, when it comes to allergies. And she's had a little bit of success, you know, here or there over the years, but nothing that we can say, you know, fix the problem, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously we're watching to see what happens to you, but I personally, after seeing the care and the professionalism in their office, I would hesitate. I wouldn't hesitate at all to say, go see them, go see them, talk to them, see how, you know, if, if you feel comfortable or whatever, but they seem professional and caring, and that's all you can ask for um, out of an office. And the doctor just seemed like he was top-notch, like he knew what he was doing, steady hands, yeah. um, somebody that I would want, you know, 
fixing me up if I had a problem. And of course, her as well. You always want the best for everybody. And he seemed like he was like a top shelf type guy. Yeah, shout out to everybody there. Doc, Dr. Ashley was really great. And Samantha uh, checks in just about every day, making sure all my meds are going right and my nose and all that. So, yeah, I'm, I couldn't have been happier. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'd am i like to share some of that stuff with people. So maybe I'll post some of it. Well, I somewhere. sent you the video. So, yeah, it's up to you. You know, I, General Frost hit, hit us up. He was like, man, you ever do that to me? We're going to have to score off for a round. So I, I guess he's a little bit more of a personal guy. I'm like, you should have seen the other stuff, man. Yeah. That's oh, funny. I thought I walked in on a porno at one time when I looked when I looked, when I looked on the screen. I'm like, what is going on in there? Anyway. Yeah. All right. So, folks, we got to get on out of here. I got to give goes a little bit of a break, have a shorter show today. But remember, we got you covered at MMA Junkie. All the top stories are covered there on the website. Lots and lots of great catch-ups. Uh, shout out to Mike Bond. He caught up with a couple of the coaches from Leon Edwards' team. They're giving a little bit of the perspective on the, uh, you know, the fight ending sequence, the fight itself, what's happening next. I really, really enjoyed those interviews. So check those out, along with all the great work that's covered by our talented staff. Abby Supan is in Paris, France. Ken Hathaway was in uh, Las Vegas, obviously, for Dana White Contender Series. So, like, wherever the action's at, we're at. And don't forget to hit our socials. All the socials are available on the front page. The one I'm always pushing people to is that YouTube channel that houses the video franchise, Spinning Backlick with Goes and I. Drops every Tuesday. I think we're going to move that up soon. But for now, it drops on Tuesday. Go to YouTube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. Subscribe. And that way you get access to everything that comes through, including pre and post fight uh, content, like with what's coming up here in Paris, France. Folks, we're out of here. Have a nice weekend. And we'll see you next week. Next week will be Fight Week, UFC 279. And, of course, our watch along on September 10th. But we'll tell you more about that next week. All right, folks. Be champion. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.